an interview style, um, but I first want to introduce Zach. So I met Zach at uh, the PCA Expo, but I followed him uh, on Instagram for years. Um, if you don't follow Zach, uh, you should. It's at ZK Painting, um, where he is just really showcasing, you know, really a lot of uh, the, the craftsmanship that he he brings. And, you know, you know, I would consider myself more of a volume type painting contractor. But of course, we want to get to a point where we're recognized for both volume and quality. So I can appreciate the time, the effort and what Zach's built. I had an opportunity to interview him on uh, my podcast and it was a really good time. So I brought him in here to share some uh, wisdom, some knowledge. We're going to hit on some of his social media practices. So welcome, Zach, man. If you could just give us a brief uh, and it help me get a little breather. Give us a brief yeah, on, uh, you know, who you are, what you do and, and what you've built. And then I'll jump in. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Tanner, for having me. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Zach Kenny from ZK Painting. Uh, we're a boss now a Boston based painting contractor. Um, yeah. At ZK painting on Instagram. Uh, I've been painting since I was like 15 years old uh, as a punishment. I had to paint a picnic table. It led to uh, really liking the instant gratification of painting, made decent money doing it through high school and college and uh, always wanted to do it at a higher level. So I've sort of obsessed on the craft for many, many years um and really thought like if i could just put out the highest quality paint job in the world i'd be a millionaire and i i'll let everybody know that that's not how this business thing works at all um and i in fact i think being good at painting often gets in the way of running a successful business um i like to say i'm a recovering craftsperson turned business person because i really do i i got into this because of the love for the craft uh but i also didn't like being broke and so through a lot of pain and trying a lot of things, I sort of evolved the company to where we are today um, and moved. I've, I've moved the company multiple different shops, moved it states, um, all sorts of things. Uh, but really the, the main driver behind sort of where we are today, we've tripled in size this, this year and doubled the last two years. Uh, immense growth and it, it was all driven by organic Instagram. Um, leads essentially um so that's really like that's my big thing it changed my life instagram has uh it got to the point where i have not done anything much with instagram for like the last year and a half and so i this quarter actually is my big goal is to revamp our social media and get it to look like our company again because right now if you go to my instagram looks like we do a ton of shop work and a little bit of site work and in fact we do like 95 percent site work 5% shop work. So yeah, social media is, is a huge part of uh, what I'm looking to do this quarter. I hope to add, to add 30,000 new followers on Instagram. Um, and so the real, the key driver to that, as I've, I've been a partner in a social media marketing company, spent a lot of time trying things on social media. Um, and I, I'm right now working on the plan that I will be putting into place for the next quarter so I can get those followers um, without a plan, uh, social media gets really hard. I want to know the transition from craftsperson to business owner. And what were some of the biggest challenges for you? Okay. Cause when you, and you know, craftsperson, you know, anyone here who has left their business as a painter or someone that's, you know, um, you know, working alongside someone to start their own business, there's a big learning curve. Um, so maybe you can shed some light on, you know, some of the biggest challenges you had at a very, 
you know, basic level? Yeah, I would say the the first and the most glaring, the largest, and and I don't know. I feel like it's it's fairly common with craftspeople, um, but really it was my idealism. Uh, in and I I think idealism and business just don't go together. Their idealism is for children and academics. Really, I, I, business and and idealism really don't go together. Um, and so I was a very idealistic craftsperson like oh it could be it should be like this we have to make it this way like oh and, and I was like very much feeding my ego through my craft and that's like you know I had a lot of like head trash around being a painter and so if I did really high quality work then I could feel better about being a painter and I think that idealism around the craft was the biggest thing that stopped me from building a bit a successful business I just, I had a lot of head trash. I had a lot of like what I thought the world should be like and like trying to force a square peg into a round hole. Um, and I think business is really about like listening to the market and giving the market what it wants. Um, and, and so idealism is not very good in that situation. So I think really the biggest struggle for me was um, letting go of perfect or how things should be and listening to what the market wanted. Um, and then the, the second piece to that is probably like letting go. Um, letting go is a, not an easy thing to do. Um, but like we do like hundred thousand dollar jobs that I don't show up to more than once or twice and see them at the very end. And that's, and that's one of the things that I've heard is that letting go of that craftsperson role, because there's part partially perfectionist in you. Um, like, to the 10th degree. So obviously with that, you're not going to find anyone that cares as much about your business as you do. So you had to adjust by creating some form of training or some form of system for recruiting help that not only is good help, but has the same standard you do. So how did you implement that? And how did you ensure that you could keep bringing in those individuals to grow your business? How, like, tell me about the recruiting process, the training yeah. process and the oversight? Uh, I mean, the recruiting process is very much like my clients. It's an Instagram-based thing. Um, the, you know, I, I, I brought in people that were working hand-in-hand, like side-by-side -side with me when I first started, um, like when, before I got out of the field about three years ago. Um, so there was like, there was a lot of just like, I was going to physically be there. So then they would be doing, taking my direction. And that's not so hard. It's the, the, for me, like the hard, the big thing about getting out of the field is like truly getting out of the field. Um, like when I was doing painting and then also trying to run a business, neither of those two things got a hundred percent of my attention, no matter what anybody says, like, it, you know, we only have so much capacity as a human being on a daily basis. We, we have to divide that among certain things and you're never going to give a hundred percent to two things. So I think getting out of the field was this like really difficult thing for me because I, in the beginning, because I was trying to do like half and half. And for me, I just like one day was like, all right, I'm not going to paint anymore. And you guys have to figure this out. I had a few, two or three guys with me. I didn't have any need for like real income. And so I took a financial hit and decided like, oh, I don't paint anymore. So you guys are going to have to figure this out. And I had found good people and I'd instilled a strong company culture 
um, I think company culture is, is essential to any, like we all have one in our companies, like how intentional are we being about it is really the question. Um, because to me, company culture is like the little decisions that get made without people asking. Um, and, Mm. and those are, that's so huge. And so I think I, yeah, like I was there, I was involved on every job hands-on with two or three guys. It's Mm. pretty, it's not so hard to teach where it gets way harder now as we're scaling and we have like 40, 45 guys in the field in any, on any given day, scaling quality is a whole nother story. Um, but I think until I got out of the field, I couldn't even begin to, to play that game. So scaling, you know, had a lot to do with sacrifice. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that's what it is. I think we need to understand that you're going to lose what's comfortable to make the change. I think you said it, you know, obviously the, the biggest thing nobody wants to lose is money. You're used to doing things one way. You want all the control, but you're looking at it like I'm spread so thin. There's no way this is sustainable. And I think as business owners, we got to have that vision. You had that vision and you've created something really special. So where's the business today? You know, tell us a little bit about how the business operates today. Um, feel free to share some, you know, some stats, if not, no problem, but more so just what does the business look like? You know, tell us a little bit of your day to day. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your clientele, like what, how, how have you transitioned and, and how's that paid off for you? Yeah. So this year we will, we did about, th- I think it's just like 1.2 or 3.2, 3.1, 3.2 million in revenue. Wow. Um, last year we did like 1.1. So it was just about a three X growth. Um, I just, I did this with me and a brush for like, you know, I started with a little giant ladder, a brush and a, like, that was it. And it was broke as a joke and did that for a very long time. So it, I only really started the business about four years ago where I, I like three years ago, I stopped painting. So, um, 3.2 million in revenue. We run a mostly subcontractor model. So I have like, I have five employees um, three of them are painters. Uh, then I have a, an office manager, uh, and I have a operations manager slash project manager. Um, both of those positions, uh, all of my employees are, are very highly compensated, uh, especially in the market compared to the market. Um, I've decided that I'm, I'm not a very good manager of humans. So I've tried to not manage very many and the people I manage are incredibly self-motivated um, driven people. And I have to compensate them well to, to attract and retain that level of talent. What are some questions you're asking in the interviews? Um, so I'm a terrible, I'm not a good interviewer either. I, I, I sold a percentage of my small percentage of my company to Garrett Martell from two day painting. Um, he's masterful at them. So he actually does, he does our, he had done our hiring. I, I'm, I do all the wrong things. I don't come up with questions first. I just want them to like me and my company in the, in the interview. So I try to sell, I talk too much and I don't do many things. Right. Um, so, so I think, but you play to your strengths. I mean, I don't yeah. think that you need to be great at interviews. You don't need to be great at marketing. You don't need to be great at organizing customers on your own. Like, you know, you, you found someone that's better at something than you are. And you had to get comfortable with that, but that does require you being good at finding the right people to put in those positions where I do feel like you're good at. You have to be, you make good decisions when it comes to finding subcontractors, right? You make good, you're the one sourcing them, right? Cause you're, you have an eye for how they operate. So what is it in Garrett that made you appeal to this person? Cause you did recruit him. Why was he someone that you chose 
uh, to, to. So I think, uh, so I'm an addict in recovery. So I've like the 12 step program is a big part of my life. I think it's made me incredibly like uh, introspective and, and, and self-aware. Uh, and through that self-awareness has wow. come like okay. a, a pretty clear, like, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm bad at. Like, I think that's really important for any human to like, to, to honestly assess your, your skill set and then honestly assess like what gets you going, like what fires you up. And so, and I'm a big believer of like harnessing that and your biology and like aligning what gets you going with your skill set. Um, and then pretty much from that point, like you hire out everything else. I mean, I finally to the point today, although I, right before this, I did just like take a, a van and a jar, large trailer and deliver some doors, but that's like a thing that I pretty much don't do anything in my business anymore that I don't like to do, um, which is insane. I've worked so hard to finally get to this point, but like, I really have pretty much hired out everything in my business that I don't, I'm not great at. And I don't like to do. What was that first hire when, you know, um, out, you just, you know, you're transitioning from doing everything yourself. What was the first hire? What did you say? I need, I need this hire right now. The first thing that actually started with an intern. Um, I use this app called Pangea. Uh, it's a way to find interns, college kids that, you know, so I found this intern to do what the time I thought I wanted to do like social media marketing stuff. Um, and that's how it started, but she wasn't good at it. And, and I'm way, it's one of my things I like and I'm good at, so I shouldn't have been trying to get rid of it, but she kind of came in and was very organized and she just cleaned my office, like right off the rip, cleaned the office. And I was like, Whoa, like, cause I'm not a very organized person. Right. Right. I have a pizza box in the background, like <laughs> minutes of that. Um, but then she just like made herself indispensable. And it was the very easy way for me to take on some overhead. Like I'd never had an, a person that wasn't painting that I was paying. Um, and so like, there's a huge transition there. There's also a huge transition from going from paying people cash to on the books. If anyone is, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are still in that position, I would pay people cash for like nine years. I didn't pay taxes for like eight years uh, when I started this thing. Like I would highly not recommend that. I would <laughs> say it it was like slowing. It was preventing me from getting to where I was trying to go. When you pay people cash, you're not going to employ the right types of people that are great employees. I just, I will fight anyone tooth and nail. I don't think people who look for cash and hourly, hourly wage are super reliable, steady employees. Those types of people want, salary they want direct deposits like they want you know what i mean so i think that was a big thing for me um and really it was it was just going like i don't pay anymore i'm trying to get to the next level i need someone that balances out my weaknesses were you and stressed again, out were you at a point where you were stressed like honestly to the brink of like questioning whether or not like you know each day getting up doing everything yeah. like I, every quarter I question what am I doing and I should just shut this all down and go work for somebody else. If you're in business and you don't feel that regularly, I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> but it's to me, like the, what we're doing running businesses, it's like this insane roller coaster with like extreme highs and extreme lows. And like, you really just gotta like, don't quit. And eventually you'll like, you'll get someplace. So I, I just have like, I think I, I am, I'm also like, I have a very low pain tolerance. I, I just, I'm not like a gritty grinder guy. 
I'm a like, what's the easiest, quickest way to do this thing? And I will spend a lot of time thinking about how to do something and then go do it versus just like putting my head down and like, like trudging through difficulty. That's a thing I know I'm not good at. Um, I actually have hired people like that in my life. I also have, uh, those are the people I'm generally attracted to in life. Like, cause I just don't have a lot of grit. Um, so I've hired that out as well. Um, when it comes to your growth going forward, I mean, you've hit a really nice pinnacle, man. You removed yourself from the business. Um, for those that are craftspeople in this, you know, in this training here, what, like, they still love that the craft itself. Like, you know, I mean, that's what they're good at. They don't want to give away everything that, that they're, you know, good at. Right. So how do you, you know, what, do you still paint? Like, what are you doing? So I don't still paint. Um, I've actually retrained my brain um, to like, I would get extreme anxiety. Like I did, I, I did this today. Cause like I had to, two people call out sick. We had to deliver these doors. I, I, I will do it. I will just about do anything in my power to not physically do work for a, a number of reasons. A, it gives me anxiety feeling like I'm being super inefficient and I'm doing something I could have paid somebody else to do. Right. Um, but B, I, I don't want to ever set the tone in my company that I'm always the guy that it will all fall back onto. I want that like accountability for everybody in my company. And so for me, it was like, just like, I'm the yes guy, I'm the nice guy. And that can get taken advantage of. And if, if people know you're the backstop, like they're going to play a little more aggressively because there's a backstop. And I very much didn't want to be that backstop and have to deal with stuff. So I just like very intentionally was like, I don't do these things. Um, and instead timelines will move and clients will change and my team will learn how to get better but I'm not going to just come save the day all the time. Well, then what's the trade-off here? You have to risk your reputation, right? And it's taken, I mean, we've not, we had a painful year, like going from 1.1 to 3.2 is not an easy thing to do, especially uh, with the, just the, the year I had uh, the way we got there. Um, Can you dive into that? Well, Give me an example. We'll, we'll yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we had we had the we scaled so fast that we we do a lot of things. We learned a lot of we made a lot of mistakes, but we we were not um, throttling back our subs like we were not managing our subs um, capacities very well. And if they said, yes, they could do a job like we trusted them. And our average job size is like eighty five thousand dollars. Um, with with seven thousand dollar doors bringing that down, so we, we do a lot of six figure paint jobs. Um, large jobs they take a lot of scheduling. So we actually had three jobs this year that the, our three largest jobs totaling like one point four million, uh, all went like did not were not profitable jobs because of issues we had with this with a certain sub that then like led to a way to take them off other jobs. And there was like, just so much crap around. We just scaled too fast. Like, well, too fast is a, a, is a subjective thing, I guess. Like I knew what I was doing. We knew we were going to triple in size, not make very much money and then figure it out this year. And blow that's through the blow through the brick wall, right? Yeah. Pick up the pieces. And I think that's at every stage of growth. Like even for me, I went from two to three crews growing pains. I have to learn how to market. I learned how to learn how to find more jobs to sustain the growth, you know, hiring and all that. So 
Um, I definitely identify with that even on a lower level. I want to get to some of these questions here. Do you mind? Yeah, let's get into them. I... All right, guys, we got some, please. I think uh, somebody said, um, the, how'd you make the jump from 1.2 to 3.2? Um, I would say it's marketing, 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 marketing all the way. Like marketing is the number one thing in business. And it's the thing that as an idealistic craftsperson, I thought was like horrible. I was like, that's what crappy products used to sell. If you take good marketing and combine it with a good product, um, it's just, it's the easiest like lead domino to, to business. The more options you have, the less, the more leverage you get. Um, so I think marketing was by far the largest driver of that revenue increase. Um, a lot of business development stuff, like marketing combined with like hardcore business networking, uh, business development, uh, one like three year long relationship that now has paid off to over six figures a month with this one GC. And we haven't even done a big project for them. We just do all their estate care. And we're doing like 150K a month with them. That took me three years of doing business development. So it's, it's very much like build the demand side way higher than supply side. Love oh, that. The wow. more you can keep demand side way higher than supply, you can, not, you can suck in painting. You can be a bad business and thrive because you just, you need very few jobs compared to how much like demand you have. It's when you start to play with demand and supply getting kind of close together, you have to have a very sophisticated operation for that to work. So I would say the, the big driver was increasing the demand side of the equation, which is all marketing. Anytime I talk to a guy, any painter who says, oh, oh, you know, we're so busy. We're so busy. That's the most that's a sad statement for because I said that a million times. So I don't I don't want to judge it like that. No, you it, can say it. It yeah. makes me sad because it's bullshit. Like it's yeah. just absolute bullshit. Because the more demand, I don't, I don't care how much supply you have, the more you can increase demand, the higher the price will go up. Same amount of supply. It's basic economics. So anytime someone says that, it's like, dude, you got to raise your prices and keep marketing and raise your prices and keep marketing. And I could have kept doing that and stayed small. You know, and maybe we did 1.2 again, but we did it with like $150 an hour charge rate and a much higher net profit. And those are the decisions you make when you start to play the business game. Um, but I knew that I like I wanted to get to a, a an hourly rate, a charge rate that I could scale. And so I had to build demand high enough that to get to a certain price point. To be able to bid jobs in a way that if you didn't get them, it didn't matter. I am apathetic. I try to be apathetic at every single estimate. I just do not care if I win or lose this job. I'm here to see if we're a good match. Like, Ooh. do we line up? Yeah. No, like no worries if not. Um, yeah. So that I would say the biggest way to grow is because that, that marketing and that social media marketing stuff, it drove the, the demand and supply side of the curve, right? Like I got subcontractors and painters from Instagram as well as I got um, clients. So I think good marketing does both. Love that. Um, again, larger jobs. Like I built a company with like, with an incredible intention. I think the, that's a thing that can get lost on people that might have just seen what we've done over time and just like, oh, like whatever that, where I am today, like I set out to be here five years ago. 
and, and worked with incredible intention to get here. And so I knew I was reverse engineering a certain client and building a business to serve them. And I think that at the end of the day, we have to figure out who is our client, how do we serve them better than anybody else, and then work backwards from that. And so part of that was a large average job size because of the, the market that I'm in. Love it. Love it. We've got six minutes, so you can hammer whatever questions you feel valuable. I saw a lot of people asking what your day-to-day looks like. Yeah, my day-to-day today is, uh, I mean, I, every Tuesday morning I do a, uh, I'm in a mastermind group, uh, a Boston, bunch of Boston young professional killers that I can't believe I got into. But again, like go, go get stuff, go take stuff. Like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And, and I'm a big believer in like asking and like not taking no. And like, and I like got into this group and it, I, now it's been a huge part of my life. And every Tuesday morning I do these accountability calls and it's been huge. Um, I just finished therapy right before this. Like I'm, I go to, the, I have a trainer three days a week. I go to a therapist once a week. Like I am taking care of my human body for like all the things that it is. And then my day-to-day work life is very, is fairly flexible. I have a set Monday and a set Thursday operations meeting with my team. And then from that, I pretty much fill in estimates and I do a lot of like evening events, business development events. Um, probably once a week, at least I'm out at some event. Oh, that's pretty gritty. If you ask me, dude, but it's gritty in a different way. I think it, that right. stuff's easy for me. I like people. I like going to events. So it, it doesn't require grit for me. That's kind of what I was talking about, like harnessing biology. Right. Like some people might be like, oh, that's so difficult. I can't imagine doing that. But for me, it's like, this fuels me. Right. And I think finding that in life, in life and in business is, is so important. Love it. Love it. Yeah, you can cherry pick. Um, let's see. And guys, Zach can go in after and he can answer these questions. So don't think your, your questions. Yeah, what questions, is there any questions I missed? Um, he wants to, somebody wants to know what your average budget for social media marketing versus SEO is, which do you see? So I've never is? spent any money on SEO or any type of like, the only mo- money we spend on marketing is I, I'm in like a, a magazine in Boston called Boston Design Guide. So when you say um, you spend money on marketing, what are you doing? So I, I'm, I spend money on this ad really so I can be part of that to go to that networking event I was at last week. Right. I have to be a Boston Design Guide like person. So I've, I've, we spend like $6,000 for a page ad. But past that, like we do, we have done like some like above and beyond stuff, but really we don't spend very much on marketing at all. It's not a financial so- spend it's a lot of boots on the ground networking. And what I think, you know, people do need to understand is that you've capitalized on a very specific niche. Would you agree? Oh, hundred percent. I, I, I have an incredibly uh, targeted market and a very um, specific client for sure. The high-end residential market in the Boston area is um, second to probably only New York, as far as just like the demand for high quality work. I love that. I love that. You got another one. Um, how do you price out a $50,000 job? I mean, like, like anything, you break it down to its pieces. 
Um, but I will say I learned from Chris Polidoro. I'm I'm not a guy like we don't have formulas and like I walk into a room and kind of go like this room's 14,000 or this room's 32,000. Like generally roughly for the most part, I can just sort of like off the cuff, like from the gut, put numbers on jobs. Um, I also like sort of trying to sell the job for the most amount of money I can, I can get for the job more than like how much it costs necessarily. So I have a definitely have a, a unique, uh, a fairly, which I think is very, it's actually common in, in my market, my the ultra high-end world, because so many things in what I do today, day to day and on a paint job are custom and changing that like super like, oh, $14 and 35 cents per linear foot is our price to paint baseboard. That number would just, is would be so all over the map, job to job. So I look at it more of like a portfolio and I also sort of look at it as like, what's the most this client's going to pay? Um, and it is sort of trial and error. And uh, we're you ever negotiate? you ever do any sort of negotiation? Uh, we would negotiate the price. We would never lower the price without concessions. Sure. I, that is a huge thing I've learned. I, I will never give a discount uh, without getting something in return. And I will never give. Could that just mean a, a, a quick agreement if you need to fill a slot in your schedule? Yeah, that's a that's a give. Hey, if you agree to do this and let me start in the next week, that's a give on their part, right? Versus they sign it and they can start whenever they want or or whatever. You let me market this extra. You, right. you I whatever it is, half the time, even if you just make them think you're giving them something, right. even if it's really not that big of a deal, but don't ever let them think that the price moved for no reason. Right. Cause then they'll never trust you in my experience. Yeah. And it'll be it, almost it, like you kind of high load them. You know? Yeah. They're like, wait, this number came yeah. out of nowhere. Like, this is a made up number. We'll never be happy with this number. Then, right. Because it didn't come from anywhere. Very true. And then I would wow. say the other big thing is like, we I've learned the hard way is like, we don't ever give anything free upfront or like early in a project. Right? right. I think that's the thing. I bet most painters in here are guilty of doing at least once. You start the job and what do we do? We give them, we do something above and beyond and we say that it's like to be nice, but really we're just trying to get some, like, we think it's going to buy us some like credibility or something later on in the job. If we were, I don't know, that's what I think if I was being honest, right. but man, would you watch how people start to resent you and treat you terribly after you give them something free they didn't ask for. Mm. It's not a good move. Yeah, in my it's opinion. good insight, bro. Very good insight. Very true. Um, well, listen, man, we're at time, dude, Zach, dude, thank you for gracing us. Uh, with your presence, man, I'm a big fan of you. You know that and all that you've done and built a uh, student of what you've created and everyone here, you have some fans. I hear, I hear at one point there was a podcast. What's going on here? Yeah, what? I did a, a, over a hundred episodes and then. Uh, How long has it been? It's been six Since months. You've done, so you've done, you got some people in here that are waiting, dude. You better I know. Back. I was just actually talking about starting it up again. Um, I just need to, I'm working on a lot of like, intentional stuff like what am i trying to do with my time sure do i want to start a podcast again do i not how am i going to do that again i might probably okay. be through patreon this time and not live on instagram yeah, uh, live is always like, a, little, a little hard yeah i think the patreon was much better because i could say things i i got to choose who was a member right so my clients couldn't just like sign in at any given time and like become a member and then 
I could just feel like much freer because at this point now, the sale, the, the scale of our company, if I say something that pisses somebody off, it's just not worth the risk to do that. Right. Even though I love like all the value I was able to give back to the community. And I, I, so many people have told me what the podcast did for them. And I, I'm so happy for that. It got like a little bit like, is this really driving my, my like massive goal or not? And it wasn't. So we'll see. Love it, man. Well, thank you, Zach. We're going to move. The, we're going to bring Skylar in. If you guys want to chat with, uh, with Zach, he's really not hard to find. Just add ZK painting. He's the account with like all the followers. Um, but uh, thanks again, brother, for joining us today and supporting man. us and uh, sharing some of your wisdom. Keep crushing it.